Can I have my slide, please? How many play this game? No one play this game. Or you are embarrassed to raise your hand, but you've been always waiting for your wife shopping. You'll be, you know. Four pictures, one word. Can you guess? What word are they asking for? So this is a good game. Four pictures, one word. It's gospel. Uh, of course, this game is not just religious thing. I just picked those that are uh, religious connotation. This one, what are they asking? Beliefs. This one, next one, if you get it wrong, I don't know what else to say. Hey? Baptism. Hallelujah. You got it right. So this is my topic for today, discipleship and baptism. Uh, I know probably 90% of you here have been baptized. Uh, maybe there are a few here who hasn't been baptized before. So I have, uh, my mission is to help you, those who have been baptized, to have a further uh, strong conviction of baptism, what it means and all that. And then for those who have not been baptized, uh, I want you to really consider baptism because it is more than just what uh, people say it is. Um, so I just want to uh, uh, convince you on that front. There was a story about a drunkard man uh, walked into a beach site where one church was having a baptismal service, baptizing some of the church members Sunday afternoon down by the river and then he proceeded to walk down into the water and stood next to the preacher and the minister turned and noticed the, the old drunk and said, Mister, are you ready to find Jesus? And then the drunk looks back and says, Yes, preacher, I sure am. And uh, the minister then dunked the fellow under the water and pulled him right back up. Have you found Jesus? The preacher asks, he said, no, I didn't, says the drunk. And the preacher then dunks him under for quite a bit longer and brings him up again and says, now brother, have you found Jesus? No, I did not, preacher. So the preacher in disgust holds the man under for at least another longer, 30 seconds this time, and brings him out of the water and says in a harsh tone, now tell me, are you sure you haven't found Jesus yet? And the old drunk wipes his tears and says to the preacher, are you sure this is where he fell in? <laughs> you know, that fellow didn't know uh, what he had gotten himself into. I think many people don't understand the meaning of baptism. Uh, some of us, we go through baptism without understanding the real significance of this important event. The Christianity only has two ordinances that led by the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe Catholic has seven, but Christianity only two, baptism and the Lord's Supper. And therefore, you see that as a church, we always practice these two ordinances, baptism and the Lord's Supper. Two pictures that I think summarizes up our Christian faith. Wash clean and to be fed by the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, the tub and the table. So Christian faith is all about getting washed and being fed. We need to be fed, as we all know. So this morning, I want to give you three points just to unpack uh, what baptism and discipleship link together, why it is essential and necessary to get baptized, 
And I want to give you three points and under it I have a few sub-points at one. The more obvious one will come first. The first one that you need to know about baptism that it is a mandate. Mandate simply means command. It is a command. It is very clearly spelled out in the Great Commission that we are all so familiar with, Matthew 28. Someone has said that the Great Commission has now increasingly become the Great Option or the Great Omission. It is something that the Lord Jesus commands us to do and it is precisely the thing that we no longer do. And so we need to revisit what was the Great Commission and in that Great Commission, it was a mandate for us to go and make disciples. He said here, Jesus came and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So the person who is issuing this great commission has all authority in heaven and on earth. And that is the authority that Jesus is commanding now his disciples to do while he departs. And he says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. It's very clear in the Bible that baptism is a command. It's a mandate by God for us to go and do that. And of course, there are people who, who refuse. Uh, I remember in the past, uh, this lady who has really left us, uh, she has issue with baptism. Every time I come to baptism, I will always ask her. And she, each time, which each time that I ask her, she became more and more violent in her response towards me. She said, baptism is not biblical. If you insist on me, in, if you insist on talking about baptism again, I will leave church. So I sealed my lips after that, but she still left church. She left church. Uh, I know what is fundamental in the Bible, and I know what is secondary issues. For me as a pastor, I'm very clear in my mind when it comes to fundamental primarily issues and doctrines that we need to adhere to, and what are some issues that we need to just allow people to have their own convictions. And baptism is not one of the, uh, uh, those who can be relegated to a peripheral kind of issue. It is a fundamental issue. And Christian, when you believe in Jesus Christ, baptism is a must. Not only Jesus command us to do that, you see in the early church, uh, when Peter, when, when Jesus left, Holy Spirit came, Peter went out to preach the gospel, and he preached to the gospel, and then people listened to the gospel, heard it, and they said, what should we do? And Peter in Acts chapter 2, verse 38 say, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. No, not just only Jesus commanded, the apostle followed through and preached it and baptized people. And not only that, Jesus himself subject to baptism. Remember when, uh, when John the Baptist came out preaching the gospel and said, the kingdom of God is already here, repent and be baptized. God was silenced for 400 years. And then finally, John the Baptist came out and said, uh, repent. So many people came forward to receive baptism and Jesus walked up to John the Baptist, his cousins, and said, well, baptize me. 
And of course, uh, John felt a little bit unworthy and said, no, I am the one that needs to receive baptism from you and not the other way around. But Jesus replied this in Matthew chapter 3, verse 15. He said, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Literally, Jesus was saying that he was doing it because he was, it was what was right to do. It is the right thing to do. And so Jesus set us an example to go through baptism. So may I just suggest to you, uh, baptism is not an option for the Christian. It is not an option. If you accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, you believe in Him as your Lord and Savior, then baptism is a must. It's not an option as commanded by the Lord Jesus Christ. So that is the easy, straightforward thing. Uh, the mandate that we ought to get baptized on this topic of baptism. Second one probably is a little bit, probably one of the most argued points of the doctrine on what are the methods of baptism. Uh, throughout history, there are three methods that people use, churches employ on the issue of baptism. Some say that the correct method is sprinkling. Some of you are baptized in that way because you grew up in your church that has such kind of practice that sprinkling, take some water and, and sprinkle on you. Some of you uh, got baptized through sprinkling when you are already an adult. Some, as a baby, uh, receive infirm baptism as they call it. So sprinkling is one of the modes of baptism. And secondly, they also use pouring. Pouring. Sometimes they just held their head and pour, the, pour water over uh, for baptism. And the third method is what uh, here in this church, Pathway Baptist Church, uh, believe is immersion. So sprinkling, pouring, and immersion. As you already know, behind one is our baptistry. We always immerse people. Uh, so it is a, a disputed uh, position in the sand. Many Churches, certain denominations, they practice infirm baptism. They practice uh, mode of baptism is through sprinkling, like Anglican, Presbyterian, Methodist, uh, Uniting Church, whereas Baptist, Church of Christ, Pentecostal churches is always immersion. And Baptist Church always believe in immersion. And not only we believe in immersion, we believe in believer's <coughs> baptism. Meaning to say that someone needs to be able to profess their belief and understand and say, yes, I believe. I want to get baptized. That is called believer's baptism. And our mode of baptism is always through immersion. Not sprinkling, not pouring, but immersion for reason that I will explain to you on my third point, which is the meaning. Um, baptism if you look at the Bible, baptism always, the Bible clearly describes the baptismal process. It, whenever baptism is mentioned in the Bible, it always requires water. Right? Water. And then not only it describes that you need water, it needs plenty of water. Uh, if you look at John chapter 3, uh, John, it says that John was also baptizing in Anon near Salem because there was plenty of water. Uh, and not just only it talks about water and also plenty of water the Bible also talks about baptism is about going down into the water 
Uh, it never talks about sprinkling. Sprinkling uh, baptism mode is never mentioned in the Bible. All, ba 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 all baptism in the Bible is immersion. It's never uh, pouring or sprinkling. Uh, and, and it mentioned about going down into the water. Remember Acts chapter 8, where uh, Peter and the eunuch went down into the water and uh, Philip actually baptized the eunuch. And it says that he go down into the water. And not only he mentioned about going down in the water, Acts chapter 8, verse 39, it also talks about him coming out of the water. And then the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away when, when after that happened. And so, uh, um, and also Jesus himself in Matthew chapter, six, uh, chapter 3, verse 16, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. So, so when the Bible talks about baptism, it talks about water, lots of water going down and coming out of water. It's quite clear in the sense because the word baptize, if you don't know, the word baptize simply means deep under. It means to, to plant something into it, to completely submerge, like dyeing uh, a piece of cloth. If you want to dye a piece of white cloth into red color, you submerge the piece of cloth into the, the color, the dye, whatever color it may be, to submerge into it, to dip under, to baptize. And even Jesus himself used the phrase about his suffering. Remember uh, when... Uh, uh, James and John came to Jesus and then uh, asking to be seated at the right and the left hand and Jesus said, can you go through the same, uh, can you, are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink and be baptized with the baptism that I'm about to baptize with, to plunge, to go through it, uh, to be deep under. It's, Jesus' suffering is not just any peripheral, it's a deep under, it's a real deep kind of suffering that Jesus goes through. So the word baptize itself simply means deep under. So the methods are, are three methods and uh, right here at the Baptist Church, we believe in uh, believers' baptism and we also believe that baptism mode is immersion. Having said that, I think we are not too particular about the mode of baptism for those people who already been baptized and then come into fellowship with us. What we are more concerned about is whether or not your baptism was a believer's baptism. So what we are saying is that if you have been uh, baptized through sprinkling, but you're 25 years old, and then you migrate to Australia, and then you join this Baptist church, we say we, we, we are fine with that. So long as it is a believer's baptism, but it may not be the mode of baptism as we are here to reach. Uh, but if you come here and you tell us that I've been infant baptized, then we probably say, well, you need to get baptized. Um, because the infant was not in that position to make a decision. Uh, I tell you where infant baptism comes about. Uh, you must understand that the Old Testament and the New Covenant and Old Covenant, Old Covenant is that Jewish people, they relate to being a people of God is by the race as a Jew, come down from the descendants of Abraham. And therefore, on the eighth day, they are circumcised as a mark of belonging to the people of God. And, uh, but in the new, and then the gospel branched out, not just restricted to the Jewish people, but to the Gentiles, to the other parts of the world, and the gospel was preached. And now we are united to Christ, uh, to the kingdom of God, not primarily through the mark of by birth, but it's through faith in Jesus. And so, 
So yes, it's true to say that in the New Testament, all the baptism are immersion. That is because they are the first generation. So after the first generation, when Christians uh, have family, they have children, so they say, what should we do with our children? Because in the first generation, they were the first early Christians. They were the first generation. They don't have children. So they say, what should we do with our children now? So they see the, they want to seal their, their kind of faith by practicing this infant baptism so that as a Christian parents, we say, oh, wow, that is something, a kind of guarantee. I don't know. Uh, but I have difficulty with that. So here at Baptist, we say, well, you can do something for your kids. You can have baby dedication. You can come forward. I probably have two baby dedication coming up soon. Uh, they, they come forward and say, well, Lord, I take a pledge. I take a vow. I say as a parent, I will do my best uh, to bring this kid up to know the Lord, send them to Sunday school, expose them to to believe, practice that in the home, and hopefully at some point in their life, they will make a decision for themselves. So that's what we practice. That's what believers baptism, and uh, for parents with kids, they can bring forth their kids as child dedication. Uh, but we don't practice the infant baptism. So, so the, the, the method of baptism uh, is this, to me, me, it's quite clear in the scripture. But we, 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 I want to give you just three, three caution, three words of uh, uh, cautions or a warning so that we can balance this up properly when we have our position on certain secondary doctrines. The first thing is we must be very careful not building into uh, a checklist. You know, some people see baptism as a checklist. Uh, and some people, they are always forever uncertain about their conversion, and so they always need to, to, some, to get baptized in the sand. When you, you baptize before when you are 15 years old, and at a later age of your life, you want to get baptized again because you are always uncertain. Oh, maybe my first baptism is not uh, kind of uh, clear. And, and, and they are forever building a checklist as if that it is by work that you are saved. Or you visit Israel, and then you visit Jordan River where where they tell you that it was the place that Jesus got baptized. You get inspired and say, I also want to get baptized there, even though only three years ago I got baptized at church by Pastor Bruce or Glenn or, or Caroline. But now it's River Jordan. You know, I want to have that kind of, I want to get baptized again. You know, uh, as if like you are saved by obedience to, to, to baptism in a sense. So all that I'm trying to say is that we are not saved by any act of obedience, including baptism. We are saved by faith in Christ. And so I, I'm worried about people who often need to have a checklist, you know, that they, I need to fulfill all these things, then no. So it, otherwise, it reduces salvation to human work if we keep getting baptized. So nowadays, we shrink to two extremes. It's either we think baptism saves us, therefore if I'm not baptized, I'm not saved, or we don't see baptism as important. But the right approach is always that baptism doesn't save us, but it's still essential and necessary to get baptized. For reason, again, I'll tell you at my third point. So firstly, one first word of caution I will give to you is as much as we have a strong position of believers, baptism, and, uh, and immersion, uh, we, we need to be cautious about breaking fellowship. Meaning to say, if people do not agree with us on this secondary matter, we kind of then you're not one of us, you know, in that sense. Uh, 
while we believe and practice believers' baptism and the immersion mode, we must welcome everyone even if we differ on our views of baptism. We must not be divided over peripheral issues, but must accept them based on how Christ accepts people. If we add anything to that, that you have to agree with our views, then we extend our fellowship to you. Then we are saying that Christ accepts you, but we can't. I don't want to be in that position where Christ accepts you based on your faith in Him, and yet I can say to you, say, I don't accept you because you disagree with my mode of baptism. I don't want to do that. I don't want to go down that, that position. While we preach and practice believers' baptism, we do not impose it as a condition of fellowship. We can impose that when new people come, but people who have already been through baptism and all that, I probably will not impose it as a condition of fellowship as spelled out in Romans chapter 14, where Paul said, well, you know, there are certain issues where some people treat certain days holier than other days, certain how food is more holy than others. It's okay, have your own convictions. Let God be the judge. And so for me, I, I work on the same basis whereby some fundamental things I will not compromise, I will not ban, I'm strong in those things. But there are certain issues that are peripheral and secondary. I will always be uh, able to hold and say, well, we can, we, it's okay. Uh, because peripheral doctrine, you change over time sometimes, I tell you that. You change over time. I believe in infant baptism when I was uh, earlier, years of my Christian work. I remember I was in India. I was arguing with another guy for a few hours, a few days, you know, um, believing that infant baptism is okay, uh, or, or even the mode of sprinkling. But sometimes you, you change over time, either through your, your own conviction of certain portion of the scripture, or even your own life experience move you down towards certain pathway. And so, uh, uh, peripheral issue. Uh, I'm, 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 for me, I will have my conviction, but I don't necessarily need to convince you on certain things. But fundamentals, I will not compromise about doctrine of God, about salvation is only through Christ alone, uh, that Holy Trinity, the Word of God is, 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 is uh, supreme and all that. I will not compromise on that. And, and so, so we have to be co uh, careful in the sense of this warning while you have your position. Uh, we have to, to, to know what do not go down this pathway of just breaking fellowship with other believers simply because we differ on some uh, um, secondary matters. Or thirdly, you also don't want, uh, another one is we, you don't want to become indifferent. You don't want to become indifferent. Oh, well, since there are so many people, it's okay, you know, no big deal whether I get baptized or not. Again, uh, we probably don't want to go down the, the extreme part of, uh, yeah, baptism doesn't save me. So if baptism doesn't save me, I faith in Christ, that is sufficient. You know? No, no, no. Because you look at what the Word of God says, that baptism is essential and necessary, uh, even though baptism doesn't save you. And so I have concern about people coming to faith, say that I believe in Jesus and all that, but refuse to get baptized. And some people give kind of reasons that are strange to me, that they will place those reasons above what the Word of God says. Oh, I don't want to be drenched in front of public. Uh, 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 I mean, is that reason strong enough for you to disobey Christ? I, I wonder, you know. I don't want people to see me drenched, you know. You know. Uh, I mean, you put on shower cap, maybe I'll let you put on shower cap or, or something like that, you know. Um, 
But so you got to think what is more important. Uh, so, and we don't want to reduce, uh, become indifferent, and reduce baptism to just a uh, uh, public testimony. Oh, uh, a baptism is only a public profession of your faith. No, I'm saying the baptism is not just the public of, of uh, expression of faith. While it is, but it is not just that. It is not just that. If, if it is just a public profession of faith, then we don't have to go through the rite of baptism. We can just come together and say, hey, I believe in Jesus now. You know? Why do you need to go through the rite of baptism? You can just publicly say it and say, hey, you know, I publicly proclaim that I believe in Jesus. Oh, I love Jesus without having to go through the rites of baptism. Baptism is more than that. It has some very strong significance uh, pertaining to, to our walk in the sense. So, so, so what I'm saying is that the mandate is there to be baptized. There's no doubt about that in my mind of what Scripture says. It is not a secondary doctrine. It's, just, it's a, yes, you must get baptized. And secondly, the mode may differ, whether it's sprinkling, pouring, or immersion, or infant baptism, or believer's baptism. I tell you very clearly that I believe, from my own understanding, is immersion and believer's baptism. But I can choose to differ from you. You can choose to differ from me on that ground, and that is uh, fine. I can have my conviction. I'll try to say it. And I issue you the three words of caution while we have a position that we will not uh, just check box and, 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 and extending fellowship to others and as well as becoming indifferent. Now I want to move on to the third point, which is the meaning of baptism. Meaning of baptism. And that is why I say all believers, all who profess faith in Christ need to get baptized because there is a strong meaning in baptism. And it's not just public profession of your faith. While it is, it is. Uh, there's no need to hide in the sense of your faith. You can tell people, I'm a Christian now. And it, throughout the uh, Bible, baptism is always associated with, when you believe, you straight away go baptism. Uh, it's not about coming down from the altar call. Baptism is almost like the, 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 the rights to, to show, to prove that I actually believe. Uh, not that it itself saves you, but it, it is a public faith and profession that I believe. And I want to do it, and there's loaded with significant meaning in that. Baptism is of the Father, is of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, as we read from the Great Commission. And it's significant because it's drenched in the Father, plunged in Jesus, and filled with the Spirit. Baptism is saying that you are embraced by the Father, you are redeemed by the Son, and you are filled by the Holy Spirit. Baptism is sealing of the reality of your Christian life. You know, sometimes we speak, like for example now, I speak with words. And sometimes as a preacher, we say, how do we communicate what we want to have in our mind to you? And sometimes we employ other means to make our communication more effectively. Sometimes we have visual aids, right? We've got visual aids, we've got words, sometimes we play a clip, an image, so that we, we as a speaker, we want to convey to you the message with different ways to communicate clearly. If we have no visual aid, then you have to just listen to my words, and I'm just simulating your ears. 
And nowadays, it's a visual age, and so we have extra means of way to capture your attention and all that kind of things. So baptism is just that. Baptism is like a visual way of God wanting to tell you about salvation. It's a visual way to let you experience and say, not just believing, but baptism is communicating. God is telling you something. And so to understand baptism, we must understand two people talking. God is saying something to you, and you are saying something to God. So two persons talking. God is saying to you three things in baptism, and you are saying to God three things in baptism to convey to you the reality of what believe, what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. So first thing is, what is God saying to you in baptism? He's saying that you are washed. Water signifies washing something, right? I don't think we can survive without water in life. Water signifying, and we take shower every day. I hope so. I know some people, my friend in Canada, shower only once a week. And some Asian from Singapore and Malaysia, they don't, they've never been exposed to cold weather. They're exposed to a, a tropical weather. They go to cold weather, they still shower two times a day, you know. Um, but we know the importance of water. Water, when you go through baptism, God is saying to you, you are washed. You are washed. Look at what uh, Titus says. He saves us. How does He save us? Not because of righteous things we had done. So here, God is saying, I save you not because of anything that you have done. Not because of any righteous thing that you have done. Do you know what the Bible says about righteous work by man? In Isaiah 53? All our righteous deeds is like what? Filthy rags. Can you believe it? That your best work that you can do is considered filthy rags. Your best work that you can do is considered filthy rags. And so, why? Because God's standard is far too high. You cannot meet the standard. You cannot meet the standard. And so here he said, He saved us not because of righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. I hope you are humbled. I hope none of you think that you are good, you are righteous, because you are how good you are. You read the Bible 10 times, you attend BSF, you are, you know, I hope you, you don't, don't think like that. You save you are saved simply only because of His mercy on you. And therefore, Christian, no Christian should be proud and arrogant. No matter how good you think you are, God saves you. Your own good deeds is never good enough. And we need desperately to recover this message because human beings, uh, in this society that we live in now, the hard part is to convince people that they are sinners. And if you are sitting here, you don't believe that you're a sinner, all that I say to you is simply because your standard is too low. You are not a sinner because your standard is too low. You think you fulfill everything. Your standard is far too low. 
Wait till you know Christ in God's standard, you then recognize that I, I need grace. I cannot make it. I need help. I need Jesus to come and save me because it's too difficult. And so, so baptism, first thing is communicating to you that you are washed. God wants to say to you that you are cleansed, you are washed, you are clean. I save you. Yes, you got all your sin in the past. Now I redeem you. I save you. You know, I always go for my walk in the morning uh, before coming to a church. Um, and on Thursday morning, uh, the, the weather doesn't look good, forecast to rain. But I still uh, went and walked for a little while. And I just enjoyed the, the space and the time. And it was raining. It was raining. Uh, not too heavy. It's wonderful to walk under the rain with raincoat and, and just, just thinking, praying and listening. I was listening to uh, a, a song and uh, the singer is Chris Rice, as in Rice, R-I-C-E. Um, great singer, sing a lot of, uh, write a lot of beautiful biblical songs, uh, redo hymns and, and very contemporary, very nice. And I was listening to this song, an old hymn that we... Uh, I used to sing when I first came to know the Lord called There is a fountain filled with blood You know the song? Old one, no la. Young one, don't know uh, and, and I was singing I was listening to this song And it kind of bring back So much memory of My early days as a Christian Joining the choir When we have evangelistic meeting We'll stand up and we'll sing this song and, uh, and it kind of reminded me and I was thinking about a sermon I'm about to preach uh, and, and this song came to mind and, and you are washed and I thought we should sing it should we have a go? yes? a cappella? those who know how to sing? just only the short chorus first answer and uh and, uh, and I hope you can convey to you this beautiful significance of baptism as you are washed. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's bed. And sinners plunge beneath that flood Lose all their guilty stains Lose all their guilty stains Lose all their guilty stains And sinners plunge beneath that flood Lose all the guilty stains. You are washed. And 1 Corinthians says this, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified. By your own work? In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the Spirit of our God. You were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified. And baptism is God saying to you, you are washed. 
you are washed. I want you to experience this going into the water. You are washed. You've been justified. You have been sanctified <coughs> because of what I've done for you on the cross. You are washed. Secondly, God is saying to us in baptism, you have died. You have died. In Malay, they say, Sudamati. You are dead. You have died. You have died. It's signifying that you die. Paul says this in Romans. Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? We are signifying that our old life is gone. We are dead. The old self is gone. We are dead. And the new is born. So you are dead. You have died. And then not only signifying that you have died, you are alive. God is saying to you, not only you have died, you are washed, you, are, you have died, you are alive. And here Paul went on to say, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. For what? In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with Him in a death like, they, like His, we will certainly also be united with Him in a resurrection like this. So God is saying to us in baptism in a visual way, saying this is what salvation is. You are washed. You are died. You have been risen. A new being. And now, you have Holy Spirit living in you. You have God's Word to guide you. And now, when you live through your world, you have your Word to evaluate, help you to form views. Did you know that we form views all the time? And I always like to question people, where does your views come from? How did you form views? Where does your view come from? From a book you read, from the teachers, from movies that you watch, you know? But I'm suggesting to you that our views must come from the Word of God. Let the Word of God shape your thinking, shape you in thinking about this world that we live in. And so you are washed, you are dead, you are alive, and this is what God wants to say to you in baptism. And now, what does it say about us? What are we saying to God in baptism? Three things or so. First thing is you say, I believe. God, thank you. Thank you that for washing me. Thank you for redeeming me, saving me. Thank you that I'm, I'm dead now. I'm, I'm alive, a new being. Uh, I believe. I believe you, Lord. I believe. And of course, the word believe needs to unpack a little bit more, which we don't have uh, time to do that. All that I'm saying is that it's not just only cognitively believe in something. Many of our beliefs actually are not tested. Do you believe that? I always believe that there are many beliefs that I held now are actually not tested. I think I believe that. I like to believe that this is what I believe. But in reality, those beliefs that I profess have not been tested. When the real testing comes, I hope and I pray that those beliefs that I said I believe is really, really those things that I believe. Because your whole Christian life journey is going to be testing your belief. You can say whatever you want, 
You can shout the loudest voice that you want. You can preach all that you want. But the crunch of it comes is the true testing. That is the time that will reveal to you whether or not your professional belief is actually what you believe in. And therefore, baptism, we are saying to Jesus, I believe you, Lord. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. You know, there's some baptism service when the person is being plunged and come out of the water, uh, they will always sing this song. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Because it's a decision. It's a decision. And decision comes from a root word means scissors. You cut. Now my allegiance is to Jesus Christ. Cut it off. All other allegiance go. Now my allegiance is to Jesus Christ. I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Love is not just emotion. Love is a decision. Motion always creates emotion. If you wait for emotion to create motion, you're in trouble. Motion always creates emotion. You act it out, you do it, emotion will come through. Emotion will come through. So first thing is, I believe. You say to God, thank you, I believe you. And secondly, you are also saying to God, I obey you. I obey, Lord. I believe you, I obey you. Yes, you say baptism is essential as a public profession. Of a yes, and then you want to communicate this beautiful story that I'm washed, I'm dead, I'm alive, I'm a new being. I obey you, Lord. I obey. I obey God and will go through baptism and live a life of obedience to you. There's this quote by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Uh, I got this quote from Charles Coulson. Charles Coulson was a uh, uh, the late Richard Nixon, the, the President of the United States, uh, with the Watergate scandal and all that, Charles Coulson was one of his advisors that landed up in prison. And because he ended up in prison, you know what, happened, what good things come out of it? He started Prison Fellowship, which we are, we are Jai just announced about Prison Fellowship. He started this movement called Prison Fellowship all across the globe with his contacts to Russia, to wherever. And there's, there are prison fellowship in the prison. And we do a little bit here because there's a going to prison fellowship. We, we want to give some uh, uh, Chris, uh, uh, cookies, you know, New Year's time cookies to, to those uh, prisoners' children. To, prisoners' families. Uh, just do a little bit to, to show them the love of Christ uh, through giving cookies. Um, so, Charles Gosen wrote this book called Loving God. I remember when I was in India in 1993, I was taking a 12-hour uh, train ride, and so I quickly went to the office and picked up a book called Loving God by Charles Gosen. And that's the only book I, I could remember I read in one day, you know, uh, because of my train ride. Uh, and in it, he quoted the story of uh, Bonhoeffer, German guy, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And this quote resonates in my mind to today. He says this, Bonhoeffer says this. He said, only he who is obedient believes. And only he who believes is obedient. Only he who is obedient believes. And only he who, is, he who believes is obedient. In short, he's simply saying, when you believe, you will obey. When you obey, it proves that you believe. Our belief is often proof 
by our obedience. And so, uh, in baptism, we are saying to God, I believe you, I obey you, and thirdly, we are saying, I belong. I belong. I'm not a lone ranger. No Christian should be a lone ranger. It is completely alien in the Bible. You cannot say, I want to stay home. I want to watch internet. Just listen to sermon on the internet. After 10 minutes, I don't like it. I close it. I go to another person. I click on it and I don't like again. I click, 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 click until I like the pastor or the preacher. You cannot do that. It is not biblical. The Bible is very clear about that. It's when you get baptized, you're saying, I belong. I belong to a community. I belong to a local church. I belong to Christ, and I also belong to His body, which I will pick it up again next week concerning discipleship and uh, church membership in a sense, local community. And, and we are saying that we belong. I think 1 Corinthians 12 says, For we were all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, or, and we were all given the Spirit to drink. Spirit to drink. So, baptism, you are saying, I believe you, Lord, I obey you, and I belong, I belong to the community because you cannot survive, believe me, you cannot survive as a Christian on your own. 100% you will backslide. 100%, not even 99%, you will backslide. Even as a pastor, I say this with sincere and greatest honesty, I need the church more than the church needs me. And it's all honesty, I say this. I need the church more than the church needs me because church helps me to keep on running the race. Church helps me to use my gifts to serve in. Church, need, I need the church. I need the Christian community to be accountable, to push me along. And we don't have you 100% backslide. 100% backslide. Commit yourself to a local church. Embrace yourself into that. Good and bad. No church is perfect. We are strong in something. We are weak in something. It's always like that. And someone said that if you find a perfect church and you settle in, you join the church, it becomes imperfect because you bring your imperfection into the church. You put up with one another. There are so many one another in the Bible that we will explore a little bit more next week. But it suffice to just mention that in church, when you're baptized, you belong to a community and you are saying to God, God, I believe you, I obey you, and I belong. I'm going to serve by using this platform uh, to serve you to greater heights. So that is the story of baptism. That is the meaning of baptism and discipleship. It's the heart and the founda- fundamental and the starting point of discipleship. And with someone coming to know Jesus Christ, they will want to go to baptism because baptism conveys in a visible and experiential way that you are washed, you are dead, you are alive. And then in response, you say, Lord, I believe you, I obey you, and I belong now 
with this community, I serve you together. Good or bad, I, I acknowledge, I acknowledge I have a very soft spot for people who are experiencing a bad, bad community, Christian community, and you have been burned, you have been uh, uh, all kinds of things, you know. I, I can understand that. I can understand that. But hopefully we pray that even with the shortcomings that we have, uh, you will never still abandon the body of Christ. You will still stay intact and keep on focusing on Christ. I conclude with this. The story of Jesus' baptism. Remember the story of Jesus' baptism? Jesus was baptized, and after he was baptized, he was led into uh, the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. But do you remember what actually happened in Jesus' baptism? He came out of the water. What happened? The dove came up. And then there was a voice. What did the voice say? You are my beloved son. Yeah? So that was our identity. When Jesus went into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan, what did Satan try to dissuade Jesus from? His real fundamental identity. If you are the son of God, hey, what God just say? I'm the child of God, believe it. If you are the son of God, you turn the stone into bread. <coughs> if you are the son of God, you jump down and angel will save you. If, if, if. But Jesus never succumbed to the Temptation. And may I even suggest to you the greatest temptation you ever receive from the Satan is to snatch your fundamental identity in Christ. And that is when he saves you, he loves you, you are washed, you are cleaned. He loves you, and that is your fundamental identity. I always believe that until you fully comprehend that, there will never be true freedom in your life to live as a Christian. You are loved by God, and from that fundamental identity, you're on the right path. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for painting to us a vivid picture in baptism of what you're trying to convey to us of the salvation story, that we are washed. We are justified. We are cleaned. We all know that because we use water to wash things. Wash our clothes, wash our dishes, wash our body, wash our garage or our lawn or whatever. We know the significance of water, the cleansing power of Jesus' blood when He died on the cross. And so we thank you, Lord, for baptism. Convey to you, you try to convey to us we are washed, we are dead, and we are alive and a new being. And we say to you, Lord, I believe you. Not just only intellectually, not just only cognitively, but I believe you and it flows out in obedience. Not dictated by emotions. Because our emotion, we may feel wrongly. Not many of us think that way. We may feel wrongly. We may think wrongly. We haven't even recognized the fact that we are fallen creature that every faculties of our lives have been affected. So Lord, we say, I believe you, I obey you, and I belong, I belong to this community. Lord, heals those people who have been abused in a Christian community. Heal them. 
that they will not uh, turn away from you. And uh, we pray that this community will provide healing to people. And, and for us as believers, it's a, it's, a, it's a community that we can use our gifts to serve you. Thank you, Lord. We bless you. Lord, as we sing this closing song again, we are reminded, uh, not I, but Christ. Not I, but Christ. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Would you stand as we close this beautiful song again? What gift of grace is Jesus, my Redeemer? There is no more for heaven now to give. He is my joy, my righteousness and freedom, my steadfast love, my deep and boundless peace. To this I hold, my hope is only Jesus for my life. and divine I can sing all is mine yet not I but through Christ in me the night is dark but I am not forsaken for by my side the Savior, He will stay. I labor on in weakness and rejoicing. For in my need, His power is displayed. To this I hold, my shepherd will defend me. Through the deepest valley, He will be. shall overcome yet not I but through Christ in me no fate I dread I know I am forgiven the future sure the price it has been Jesus bled and suffered for my pardon, and he was raised to overthrow the grave. To this I hold, my sin has been defeated. Jesus now and ever is my plea. Oh, the chains are released.
day by day I know he will renew me until I stand with joy before the throne to this I hope my hope is only Jesus all the glory evermore to me when the Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this beautiful hymn. Thank you for reminding us that we have grace. Thank you for loving us. This is the heart of our identity. And when we truly know who we are in Christ, we will live and we will walk with confidence. Thank you, Lord. May the strength of God sustain us and may the power of God preserve us. May the hands of God protect us and may the way of God direct us and may the love of God go with us this day and forevermore. Amen.